you're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 46, Adrian Acosta, The Cigar Culture. Very good. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a really honor. Yeah. So what I wanted to do today um, is kind of share your story because I know a lot of people might be like me and they probably have, uh, they probably follow the cigar culture on Instagram, but it's always nice to know the people behind different Instagram accounts. Um, for those of us who don't know, and, uh, you know, nice conversation these days with everybody being stuck at home or uh, not able to go into the stores like they're used to because of COVID. It's kind of nice to kind of break up the day. Um, so uh, I'm enjoying having these nice casual conversations with people like you and letting people, other people kind of join in because it's a nice uh, educational but conversational kind of way to kind of break up the day and kind of end the week. 100% agree with you. Is uh, These days, uh, everybody's stuck at home, but uh, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's, uh, we need to keep going and enjoying great cigars. Yeah, definitely. So I think what I want to start is, uh, you know, me and you have been talking in the last week because I'm working on the story for tobacco business, and I, you gave me a nice kind of overview of your entire career and all that so um what stood out to me was when you talked about the education part of the industry because i think that's a really important part but i think people get confused sometimes as to what you know what is education in the cigar industry because to some people it's like webinar very formal and this is how you sell a cigar and something like that. <clears throat> to me, that's not what education is always about in this industry. Um, it's a little bit open. It's like, you know, getting to know the cigar growing uh, process, getting to know how a cigar is made, different parts of the cigar, um, understanding and going deeper. So to you, like, just how do you define education, especially in the cigar world? Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, everything start. Uh, my point of view in this, though, in uh, education, everything start from um, from the consumers, then the retailers. Um, you need to involve everybody together to to have a great explanation. For example, when I uh, when I, if I go to a shop and pick a cigar, mo most of the time, uh, like maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, they just they just grab a cigar they like and they just light it up and enjoy it. Nowadays, uh, I see more questions about before the purchase. Where are they from? What manufacturer? And they throw names and they know who exactly, and that's really good about it right now. Uh, many companies are right now doing a great, great job in terms of education to try to educate those consumers that can uh, to try their cigars uh, in, in blocking uh, what's coming from Dominican or Nicaraguan. They're just trying to give in their story and the story behind the blend and all that kind of stuff. So um, what I'm seeing in here is that it's not ending. It's just the beginning of educate consumers and retailers to how to pitch um, the cigar they're trying to sell or the cigars or the plural. Um, 
because you have many cigars and you have a lot of cigars coming from the same factory and they don't want they don't want to get the idea i mean brands I, i'm assuming that they don't want to get in the idea that it's the same cigar because it comes from the same factory no it's different blends of course but um, i think more education doesn't hurt uh for uh consumers and retailers and actually um more be more open with retailers because they want this feedback from knowledge from every cigar it's not because the cigar is hot and it's good go be go a little bit more deeper in the explanation um about the cigar and the blending and the story behind because end of the day we we selling stories yeah and you were telling me when we were talking the other day about you know walking into a humidor with a customer and a customer saying you know this cigar is a good cigar and you said what makes it a good cigar and they say oh because it costs 45 dollars you know there's still a lot of that going on where you, where i think some uh, depending on how long you smoke cigars you kind of do look at price point and you think wow this is a 90 dollar cigar it has to be good but that's not necessarily the case i wish we could do more blind tasting where you take off the band and you just say try this cigar and try this cigar give them a five dollar cigar give them a 90 dollar cigar and see which one stands out to them without them knowing because uh, sometimes you're, it's just like any other product. Sometimes it feels like you're paying for the label and the sure. brand more so than what you're actually getting. Sure. I, I think it's a misconception about a super high-end cigar uh, in a low, uh, low-cost low cigars. Um, I can enjoy the low-cost cigars in a really max uh, rare I call it rare. I don't call it expensive. I call it rare cigars. I think it's a proper way to uh, respect the, the, the angle of, of, of sale. But um, I remember, I, I think I shared, I shared that story with you uh, when I was in retail. Uh, one of my experiences, a guy come into the humidor and said, uh, let me check, let me check. Oh, I love this $90 cigar. It must be the best that you have here. And I just explain uh why because it's super limited not because it's super good it's just limited stuff um but also we have these 50 45 and 20 and actually he take the 15 dollar cigar so yes we are in a market that uh we need to for example if i own a shop we need to sell cigars but actually more clarity more veracity uh you you, you transparent with the consumer uh, it give you more uh, more power i believe do you think we, you know, as an industry need to, I always think about ratings because depending on this, you know, people always look at ratings, like what rating did this cigar get? Oh, it must be good. Or this magazine rated this, or this media personality rated this cigar, this, you know, rating. Do you think ratings really matter these days? Or is it kind of an old school kind of mentality again? Um, of the whole like 92 93 cigar because i never know what that means personally so they don't really have much weight with me personally but i know for some people they they do if uh let's uh if i don't, if I don't recall uh everything's starting for the, with the wine rating right mm -hmm. uh but right now nowadays man to be honest with you um yes it's important to have a, a some a select group of people to uh, to do some ratings and some cigars, but I believe I strongly believe I'm thinking now putting my hat of the retailer and consumer. Uh, 
it's a lot of cigars out there that they don't rate and they're super good and they selling really good. Like everybody, they have it in the humidor. So, and then I'll be rating. So it's a 50-50 thing. I think uh, we, uh, it's an entertaining thing uh, for the ratings, uh, especially end of the year when everybody has the cigar of the year, of the top 10, the top 25. That's good. It helps a lot because a lot of consumer driving to those ratings. All so right. it's actually good. But from my standpoint of view is, uh, if you ask me, me in my personal opinion, what is a rating 94 from 95? I, I believe this is the cigar that sell the most, and everybody has it, and everybody looking for it, and it's super back order because everybody gravitating to that cigar. So if you ask me, that's the, the higher rating uh, cigar in the market. Tell us a little bit about your experience with retail, because I don't know if everybody knows that part. Uh, of your story, but you know, having that retail background obviously gives you a completely different foundation and understanding of the industry than just, you know, being a, a consumer or just working the independent broker side of it. So, just tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into retail and kind of some of your experiences with retail. So I, I, uh, I started in, uh, working in retail in Nash Sherman in New York, in New York City, uh, in the townhouse. Uh, great experience there. Uh, I, I, I work along with a group of select people, tobacconists, really, really, really uh, magical times. Uh, everybody from pipes, from pipe products, from humidors, accessories, cigar guys, tobacco. It was, it was a perfect combination. Uh, to learn retail, especially meeting people from around the world. Um, it's not just the locals from New York City. It's just a lot of people. It's a tourist area. It's on 42nd Street. It was in 42nd Street in the heart of New York. And, man, that experience, to able to meet people from around the world, uh, looking for a great experience in, in personal cigars, it was magical. And give me the opportunity to see uh, not only what, what we smokers as Americans here, but all the other, other, other countries, what they heard from us or what they're looking for um, in the market. So it gave me a lot of, a lot of, a lot of feedback, and, and, and I learned a lot. And I'm still learning, but uh, it gave me a lot of – it's a great opportunity to work with those folks over there. I mean, big shout-out to them. Uh, Michael Herlock, who was a great, great guy, great mentor, and the rest of the guys, Juan, you name it. It was a, it was a select group of tobacco. It's like – uh, people used to go over there and uh, smoke a cigar and see us working. It was that magical. It was super. So um, it was a great experience there. I had I, I, a uh, tendency to work in, I, I, I learned how to do uh, tasting events, events, uh, company tastings, um, internet orders when they was uh, by that time. It was it was good building clientele. It was super. It was uh, nothing, not a waste to to work for four years over there. You know, when you look at everything that's happened this year, especially with Nat Sherman, what as somebody who's worked there, you work with her flops, you work with the family to some degree. I mean, either you know continuing their legacy, what they started. What do you think we should remember? How should we remember Nat Sherman? Because I know that there's a lot going on and some for some people it's the cigars for some other people is the townhouse so, so how would you I, I guess i should ask remember nat sherman and how would you tell us outsiders to just how we should remember it going forward 
I think you should remember uh, just like the logo, tobacco is still the war. I mean, yeah, it was so great uh, that the, the whole family, uh, getting to know the Mr. Sherman, the, the sons, uh, the daughter, it was just magical. I think I remember doing a, a extra mile work. Everybody who passed through the family uh, of Nash Sherman uh, townhouse, uh, I, I believe that we should work harder. Uh, uh, one thing that I always keep it every day that, I, that I'm working in the, in the different territory is the ethics of uh, works. Uh, it was immaculate. You need to commit to your to your to your things. You know, it's it's really uh, my ethics. I learned it from there. I can say that. You know, tobacconists to the war. That's my best example. I'm ambassador of National always. And you can see that, like now, with what you do, you definitely are a good ambassador for the industry, um, just representing the industry and representing these different brands and just promoting the whole culture and the lifestyle. Because I don't know if people realize how different the lifestyle behind around cigars is. It's not like any other lifestyle or group. Um, you know, it's not like cigarette smokers. They don't really have a culture, um, you know, surrounding them, which some people think they do. It's not like CBD or cannabis people. You know, cigars are a different world. And you have, I feel like as a media person, you have to talk about them and deal with them in a completely different manner than you would, like I said, any other group. It's a lifestyle. It's getting people to understand how many hands touch one cigar and process and all that kind of stuff going on. Definitely, I cannot agree uh, more with you. Um, but taking a, a, a moving forward on, on that, I think everybody you sh should do that. Uh, you strongly believe in the industry. I'm a pro industry. Uh, look, and this is a saying that I, I said every day when I meet new people. Uh, they ask me, so how you ended up doing what you do? And I said, man, I don't know. I don't learn anything less than this. You know, this is a passion. This is the cigar culture. You know, this is this is what we are. And we need to be ambassador of a great tobacco, of course, great uh, process. And a Camari, uh, I think Camari and people that I know from a lot of people from a lot around because of this. You know, and it's really it's really beautiful to feel that feeling. Um, my my dad sent it to school. We we went to school because of tobacco. Uh, they raised us with tobacco. I mean, like the resources from tobacco. And now I'm doing the same thing for for my family now. So it's a it's a really appreciating, uh, uh, proud moment uh, that I'm living now. And talk a little bit about your family, because I know um, I do a lot of stories on different people in the industry, and there's always a, an interesting. Uh, trend of people who are really invested in the industry now didn't always start off, you know, being big cigar smokers or big in they, you know, they kind of uh, some of them have families who dealt with tobacco in different ways or cigar making and they didn't want to be a part of it, but then they found themselves as they got older, they got into it. So just tell us a little bit about your journey, about how your family was involved in tobacco and then how you. What was your relationship like it before you finally got in? So uh, my dad is a agronomist engineer, uh, specialized in tobacco, I would say, in genetics of the seeds of tobacco. 
he worked for for many years with a big big company um and but you know when you if you if your dad is a is a baker he has a bakery shop and so bread and cakes it's not really your thing because you see that every day right mm-hmm. so uh, <clears throat> i need to confess you know in the beginning i wasn't paying attention to tobacco uh like oh i born in a silver leaf and tobacco and i love tobacco and smoking cigars since and i love the aroma no um i learned uh i think i learned the right time how to appreciate tobacco and respect tobacco um and i'm going to share a story with you so when i was 15 uh, they sent me when i do something wrong you know as a young kid you do a lot of stuff so so every punishment like take the take the Nintendo out take the tablet out take the TV out or nowadays i shut the wifi out for the kids things like that but uh back in the day for me was like you go to the farm that was the biggest um uh punish for me the farm really and i was like okay you know not like it so one day i was really i thought that i, I think that i was right and i said why you bring me here man i don't know no i said tobacco is tobacco i just tell him like bad mouth him tell him uh, tobacco is tobacco you can grow this anywhere and he just did this to me and <laughs> he made, he said like what are you talking about you you far to know what is going on and he don't know how to make me understand and he mentioned this these words uh those who produce their varieties so cultivating harvest their tobacco we always have good cigars those who are unaware of these procedures would never know what they have and i look at him and i say what are you trying to say i don't know i said you will understand that um when the time is right <laughs> but that quote always think uh, keeping myself so i graduated from college i worked in the hospitality business and nashman together and then i went to work one year for another company uh in sales and then i opened my brokerage and now you know working my brokers that's my main job and i decided to uh, launch a, a cigar and com- for commemorate that moment that i now i really appreciate what takes i put in the ring in the in the and in inside the ring on the culture blend number 3 i put that quote on the inside the ring so that's a kind of he did my dad just retire as well so it was kind of like a homage as well thinking for appreciate things and that uh quote uh always going to remind uh, reminding me awesome and talk about you know the the decision that you made to suddenly launch your own cigar brand because i know when we were talking a couple of days ago you said you know your first hesitation about doing it was that you're like there's enough cigars in the market right now you know, i don't need to add to that Um and yeah. then here you are now you have your own cigar in the market. So like what was that decision what was that turning point for you that made you say okay I'm ready to take that chance I'm ready to launch my own cigar and this is how I'm going to do it. Timing. Um uh, covid restrictions. Uh a lot of uh, a lot of uh, releases not uh can be done because of the covid. Uh so my first intention on this was to release the cigar only for friends and family 
to entertain ourselves. Uh, but I discovered that it was an it was a need in the market for a new limit of stuff, like I entertain our our industry in our market. But I keep it to in a download. But it was out of hand when people start uh, gravitating to the cigars and uh, smoking the cigars, and it was it was a it was a it was a madness. Uh, so after that, I we sold pretty much uh, the whole thing in like in less than a week. Awesome. And like, how many different blends did you go through before you settled on this one? Uh, it was sixty. Sixty different blends, because uh, uh, I was kind of hard hit, and I wanted to use the same tobacco, same. And the first, the story on the blends, uh, it was. Uh, I got this tobacco for a few years already, and the guys from the factory that I'm working, uh, they said, Adrian, uh, your tobacco, you need to do something with that. And I said, man, I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything. Man, you know, tobacco has a, a period time which is good for manufacturing and your tobacco is that, in that peak right there. Uh, and I said, all right, cool. Not even intentional. I said, all right, surprise me. Show me where you come from. And they did it. They did 20 blends. Right there, uh, the number three was on my lookout. Uh, I want to push them as well in the respectful way, in a really humble way, I trying to push into the limits because uh, manufacturers, they, they blend for themselves, actually not blend for the market. So I tried to push in a little bit and I said, man, I'm really disappointed on the come out. I don't think we're going to work together because I don't know, man, it's really doesn't feel me. I don't feel it. Can you push yourself a little bit more? Oh, not a problem. They did another 20. Went back to DR, and I said, man, they're good. But only one is good. I need another one. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? It's very limited tobacco. I only, you, you don't want to play with different tobacco, just this tobacco. I said, yeah, but it has to be with this tobacco. Different ratios do different uh, percentages, but do it with this tobacco. And they did another 20. I don't like it, so I keep with the number three. And I tell them, I know the winner already. It's only one. It's going to be the number three. And, oh, really? So, you know, all this time, all this time I know it was the number three. <laughs> and they, 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 they complain about, well, we, we waste a lot of tobacco for sampling, all that kind of stuff. I say, man, is this the market? I'm not going to release a cigar that everybody's going to say, ah, it's a black cigar, you know? So uh, it was a really special, uh, the brand number three, the organic way how to, the, the whole, it was very hard. It was very challenging uh, to do the blend, uh, especially with those rare tobaccos, all tobaccos. And I think it was so natural that I don't can put another name. So when they sent me the blends from the factory, it was the description on the factory band was culture, blend number one, number two, number three, you know, all the way to 60. So when I picked the name, I said, it has to be a very organic and natural way. You know, I cannot really put something else. That's what I named it, the culture blend number three. Awesome. And you said, because I remember you sent me samples of the number three, which took me a little while to finally get around to smoking them. Um, and I remember it was good, because what I look for in a cigar is completely different. So I was, I remember I told you that. I was like, I'm not a big, I can't tell you, <laughs> pick out the notes and all that kind of stuff. I just know, like, for me, I don't like cigars that kind of blow out my palate after one puff. You know, I like 
a nice draw. I like those cigars that you can, um, you know, sit around and have a conversation with without strain, feeling like you're strangled or that you just, you know, lick the ashtray. So it was a good cigar based on those criteria for me um, when you let me try those initial blend samples that you got. Yeah, and it was really interesting uh, in terms of blending with the manufacturer because they asked really good questions like uh, what you want to transmit to the consumer with this cigar, uh, what's the profile, what you're looking for, aggressive, uh, elegant, what are you looking for? And when they asked me, I said, man, a cigar is like a friend. When you meet a, a, a guy with a, or a girl for the first time, you want everything to run smooth, you know, like respectful way. And then you get to the middle, you get more, uh, I would say more trust, you get more uh, complexity. And when you're about to end it, you're buddies, you know, yeah, you're like, you're really close. So that's what you feel in the whole smoke, you feel three, three or four different transitions uh, to know, it start really subtle, really elegant, kind of smooth, and then translate to more cedary, sweet, spices, and then mellow down a little bit for more open arm in the body for uh, uh, strength. It's a really, it's a really good thing that they how they accomplish that, you know. And like, um, you know, when, when you, I know you sent out samples, so like, did you send samples out to people who are, uh, like me, kind of on a newer scale who didn't really know, you know, all the notes and stuff, or did you send them to like the advanced smokers, like your, your Michael Herklotz types who spend all day blending and looking at different blends to get their perspective or was a little bit of everybody? Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that everybody would love this cigar, uh, basic on, on the, on the very confident to say that um, based on the blend and based on the whole experience, pretty, pretty uh, confident on that. But I sent it to people that really supported me uh, on the Cigar Culture page in the beginning. Uh, I sent it to a lot of people who really want to try different, different things. Um, but no, I just sent it to only a few people. The rest of the people buy those cigars, and that's really amazing. You know, that's really uh, amazing from my end that, to see a, a new thing, a new limited to people gravitated to buy it. Uh, making for one shop, for example, in the shop that I am right now in the Cigars of Waterford, this guy, this is the fifth order. So the cigar being light, you know? Do you have plans to release some other cigars in the series, or...? Are you just going to focus on the number three for a while? The, the sad thing on this is I cannot release the blend number three. Uh, in five years, I will release again the, the blend number three. But right now, when it's done, it's gone. It's not entertaining for us, for those who gravitate that. Um, in the near future, who might know it will be another uh, collaboration, maybe with another brand, uh, to get our, get our hands together and put a nice blend to inter with the same concept to entertain our our consumers, uh, but who knows? But right now, uh, I'm loving the whole uh, development on the number three, and it's really a good ride. To, to switch gears a little bit and talk about the cigar culture, because I'm always fascinated by people who have big followings and, you know, what they do with that following. So I like your story, what you told me a couple of days ago about how you just built up this following but it wasn't to promote you so much as it was the whole culture and the lifestyle. Um, and then educate using your platform to educate people. And that's how it's probably gotten to the size that it is. And it's such a great name. 
that it's like everybody wants to be a part of you know the cigar culture it's not like they're following like a personality um so just talk about how you develop this idea for the cigar culture and then how you define it like what do you see it um kate who do you see it appealing to and catering to and why do you think it's become so popular with cigar smokers around the world is everything comes up with the first question uh education uh what you're spending with time with uh why and where uh what kind of events are driven into the cigar community not only cigars there's a, a lot of wine a lot of spirits a lot of restaurants involved a lot of accessory companies a lot of you know i our old friend told me this quote many years ago he said man the cigar is a compliment of the moment I don't wake up craving a cigar. I need to smoke a cigar right away now, right now. No, never. Uh, when I feel to, uh, I celebrate life every day. So I grab a cigar every day. Uh, I surround with many great people. So I smoke cigars with them. Uh, but the main thing was with the cigar culture to focus on the movement. Because back in uh, 2007, 2008, uh, not many people want to, to educate uh they're, they're consumers, and that was missing. So I started from there to get into cigar shops and just friendly talk, and I asked simple questions about tobacco, and they open up and open up. And before you know it, it was a, it's a, it was a Friday thing. Every Friday we have a group of 20 people talking about cigars and tobacco, and then I calculate to another, another grade and go to different shops and talk about tobacco and do many things, not to receive any um, um, money from that, just to be a great ambassador of uh, great things. And that was the main uh, power source for me to elevate the cigar culture uh, platform to another scale. And then the second thing is uh, people from around the world. I have a lot of people from, from Europe, you name it, South America, and even Asia. Uh, follow and we discuss tobacco and, and, and things like that. It's, it's the whole thing is really beautiful. And, and I really am loving the whole thing and respecting tobacco most, most of the part. You know, what I like about our conversation a couple of days ago is like when we talked about how Instagram works and how you can use Instagram, you know, there's so many cigar companies that are on Instagram, but they all use it in a completely different way. You know, those that are personality driven, you'll see those people out front a little bit more and it's about what they're doing and then the cigars. And then there are some accounts that feel a little bit, you know, limited. And then all they do is kind of post a picture of their cigar and, and that's it. So what is the, the best approach? Like if you are uh, a company that's making cigars, do you need a person, a personality? in front of that or do you need or is it going to work with just having a cigar and it's going to sell itself so um to simplify the, the question a little bit i'm gonna go overall and you take uh what you take i think uh, the public needs to be uh heard in this uh before nowadays i, I always say uh, instagram or facebook doesn't sell a cigar what, what you can do to the to the to the platforms is uh educate um, expose yourself, new products, 
engage that's what a platform is to engage to another to talk with somebody i never know in my life and to engage and whatever he give you a like why he give you the like because it's a nice picture because it's an expensive product or because he love your brand you need to figure out that and i think uh before i was thinking that way now majority of the sales uh on on, on my blend is driven to the platform so why brands don't take that in that push to that uh an ambassador and a, a cigar personality you need to be very careful with that because that's your image that's your uh, your guy that you're putting in the front lines to expose your products uh, you need to be really knowledgeable about cigars and to attack but the main thing for me is the end of the day is to educate and to try to push a sell or uh, give that consumer to uh, the proper channel where you can find the cigars. You know, uh, for example, and I'm not going to name, name a brand, but X brand, uh, and a guy like me, hey, thank you, you know, thank you for following me, whatever. And that guy said, okay, uh, I live in Connecticut, where I can find your cigars? Right there. That's an engagement right there. Not because you have thousands and ten thousands of likes, uh, that's your you're approaching anything, but now right there you're engaging. No, this is the shop you can go ask for somebody here that name Anything you just call me You know, that's an engagement and I think that's the, the perfect scenario right now for the platform that to use like in this case Instagram and Facebook Yeah, and I think the people a lot of people at least in my experience forget that engagement part <laughs> You know, it's very one-sided like they set up a page and then it's like, we're just going to post a picture, one picture a week. We think that's enough. And we're going to have, and we're going to get what we need out of it. And to me, it's like, you can't talk to anybody through the page. You can't do anything. There's no engagement. So I think you, you're on the right path about what you said about it, that I wish more people in, our, in the cigar industry would understand that's what social media is about, is social media. So it's engaging, right, right, not just right. not just post. It's not posting media. It's, it's, you know, that's completely that's something different. And, it's, and now uh, I find out a big word, which is content. Uh, man, you need content anyway. If you don't have content, why? I have the best content. Where no, you need. I mean, you, it's a have to. You need to have great content. You need to have. What is the purpose of a post? Uh, what you what is the channel you want to go to? Is it retail, consumers, branding? What? What you want to engage? What you, what you trying to accomplish uh, with a post? And and that's exactly every time that I post something is something methodical uh, for one reason. I don't post nothing for nothing. Sometimes I spend maybe three or four days without posting anything. Uh, every time that I post, it means something. Yeah, I think that's good too. It's like you don't need to post. Every day, I know there's two different philosophies of social media. There's those people who say you need to post every day and, you know, every stuff, you know, every so often, like three times a day and all this other stuff. And then, like you said, there's others where you just know, hey, I'm going to post something when I have something to post. And I'm going to get engagement from that because people are going to be looking for it still and they're going to get just as much out of it. True. Uh uh, right, right now, because of the culture blend number three uh, is out, I post three or four times. I repost uh, posts from other people, and uh, I'm, I'm loving it. But it's going to come to a point that's going to mellow down, and I'm going to continue, which is base for me.
Yeah, and it must be exciting though for you to go from you know you rep you work with these different brands you know as yeah. a broker selling them, and now you have that. But in addition to that, you have your own brand that you're now able to promote and talk about. And I always see all the pictures come up every so often about what that you post that a new person's you know holding your cigar or they're helping you promote it um, by just saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm smoking it. Here's a picture of it." So that must feel really good for you to have gotten to this point where now you're one of these brands who have a following and people who are able to uh, partake in the cigar culture in a completely different way through a product, not just through the online experience or in-store experience. It's all blessings, man. Uh, I have, you know, I'm having fun. Uh, and most important about having fun, I respect what I do. I respect the, the, the cigar companies. Uh, I respect tobacco. It just... I don't see the I don't see the, the the culture blend number three to affect anything on my side. Everything's smooth, uh, running smooth, and it's a limited. When it's gone, it's gone. It's not gonna ha I'm gonna have a, like a, this uh, portfolio to offer. You know, this is I seen this uh, an entertaining thing for us for cigar lovers. And I think that's good. I think I like the limited run idea, um, just because it it encourages you to go ahead and jump in and, and get it while you can. Uh, and stock up if you like it. And then, you know, if you want it to move on, you could move on without worrying about, because I think products usually have that arc where when they're new, it's like a skyrocket and you have, you know, have you have no problem selling it or promoting it. But then after they've been out for so long, it's like, you know, you, you're having to sit there and scratch your head and think, how can I make this feel new? And it's not new. People want that new feeling. So uh, that, that limited... Uh, addition approach kind of works. It, it's, a, it's a great thing, man. Uh, last weekend, I was in California uh, for a business meeting, uh, not selling anything, just a business meeting from uh, one of the companies that I represent. And I walked to a shop, and the, guy, the owner looked at me and said, man, you the guy, that new cigar. Uh, I said, what do you mean? I'm not, from, I'm not from here. I said, no, I know. Your cigar is everywhere. I said, mm, yeah, thank you. You know, I said, man, can you send me some? I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a great feeling, man. Yeah, it is. It's, I, like I said, I know, you know, when, when people are are in your position and have a personality, you, you they know that you're associated with the cigar culture, you know, brand and the that account. You know, you probably don't think much of it. You probably just think you're just doing, like you said, you're just having fun. You're helping promote the lifestyle. Uh, then you never know how other people see you and how they're impacted by you and, and your work. So it's always interesting um, just to hear people, you know, probably comment on like what impact you have on them. I know for me sometimes it's, I work in a vacuum. So I'm in this bubble world where I'm just focused on getting, you know, stories done and getting interviews done. And, you know, and it's like, I spend like weeks on certain stories and then it gets out there and I never think about it. And then maybe we have a trade show and then everybody will say, oh, I love, love that story. And I'm like, wow, like that, that feels good. It makes me feel good about the 17 hours I spent, <laughs> you know, trying uh, I, to put the, it together. It's really cool, but I, I'm gonna give you two, three stories with the same uh, subject. When I started the Cigar Coach on Instagram, uh, you know, every when we started, we do these giveaways and things like that. So my first giveaway, the winner, send the giveaway 
and I know him, but maybe in a few years, he just comment or post, whatever. Last week, he told me, man, I found you from the beginning. I don't, I don't know if you remember me. I said, of course I remember you. Uh, you're the winner for the first, for the first uh, giveaway. And he said, man, thank you. Uh, you really put me into good cigars and to see the cigar course in a different way. That's the number one. The number two, when I was working in Sherman, I met people from a lot of, from a lot of countries. These are Asian guys. Uh, we lost contact. I just sent him some cigars and bye. And now he contacted me. That I didn't know. And he contacted me through Instagram, DM me. He said, man, you remember me? I said, no. Refresh my memory. I said, man, you sold me cigars back in 2014 in Nash Sherman, on and on. I said, man, I, I sell cigars to a lot of people in Nash Sherman. <laughs> and I said, man, thank you. I still, isn't my, I bought like 20 cigars, and those 20 cigars, I might, still might line up cigars because you recommend them. That's the second uh, story. And the third one is uh, um, a brand, uh, a brand that I represent approached me when they see the whole thing on, on these past two weeks. And they say, man, uh, we want to, so you can collaborate actually, more, not in sales, but more into the marketing aspect. And that filled me with joy because I, I, I would love that. So that's exactly my, my, my driven in the three stories. I think it's doing the right thing is uh, most do and keep your ethics. That's, that's, that's what you need to celebrate about the cigar culture. With, I know you talked about earlier about how you like to have these big groups of people where you used to teach, just have like a talking session or teach them about something about the culture. You know, how are you adapting that model now to the world that we live in today where, you know, where we can't all be gathered in stores or big groups and such like that. But I'm sure that you're, you're probably, if you're like me, you're thinking, how can I adapt that now to the world that we live in so I, you don't lose that traction and don't lose that connection to people? Um, soon as the world change with this pandemic, I think our generation doesn't see something like it. Uh, and probably our, our parents' uh, generation doesn't see something like it. I think uh, I take advantage right away of the, of the timing and start organizing this, all these um, Zoom meetings and lives, uh, private blend, I mean, private sections of, uh, of lives. And for me, I, during the stronger time of the pandemic, from March all the way to May, June, I did more than 48 lives, I mean, Zoom meetings with a lot of people. And I really catch the flow because I'm not a good in camera. I'm really shy. So I'm, you know, I, I really, but uh, it gave me the opportunity to learn something that I don't know, uh, that I know I can do it. And give me the ability to know more people as well through this lives. Yeah. I, so, I, I, so, I, so I, and I strongly recommend uh, people to, man, you cannot get together, Zoom meetings or lives, let's do it, you know? Exactly. I think it's, it's fun in a way. And like you said, it can be intimidating because I'm, before this, I was used to being a kind of behind the scenes person that only came out for trade shows or events. And, and now here we are having, like I said, a, a conversation, but um, I've found that having these conversations is, is helpful because you get to, um, you get to have great just learning sessions, learning from somebody else that you may not, uh, you know, at a trade show or an event, you may only get 10 minutes with a person. So having these little Zoom meetings and the Instagram lives where you can have 30 minutes to an hour or more with a person to really get nitty gritty about a topic 
to me, it's been very useful and it's given me a completely different perspective on the industry. So one good thing has come out of COVID is <laughs> it's been the ability that, that, to have these and, and to keep these going. And like I said, for sure, be able to learn um, something that you would never, I would never have had these conversations um, if we were just under normal circumstances. It wouldn't have come up. Uh, one story about the first couple of lives that I did on Zoom and Instagram, I can remember, was that with people, I can do, I can host 20, 40 people at the same time talking and doing these events in specific, person to person. But talking to a camera is really challenging, at least for my end. I'm not in the, in the, in, into the cameras, but give me the ability just to get to know that this is, this is the time that we're living right now, that, that we need to get used to. And if you don't get used to, you get lost. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so what do you what, what do you hope to do with the cigar culture going forward? Like what's the evolution of that brand and that platform that you've built for yourself? Uh back again. Keep doing it with a lot of love. Uh keep in, increasing uh the friends, the family that we've been creating. Um uh, try to be an advocate of great cigars, uh, great times, uh, but most, most important, uh, be an ambassador of great tobacco, making sure that everybody understands why they're buying or buying ACY cigars and giving, giving the proper things so they can have a proper tools before they're spending their money. And then what's your advice for everybody watching or listening to this uh you know, in playback mode. What's your advice to everybody about becoming a great ambassador for cigars? Like, what should we be doing to fulfill that? Um... I think uh, to be a great ambassador, you don't need to focus only in, uh, in, in one aspect. You need to focus on all the aspects. What's next? For example, now for the, with, the, with the situation, with the restriction, with meeting a lot of gatherings, uh, you need to be proactive. You need to be, what's next? Trips to Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. What's next? What, what is the rules now? Uh, so in terms of that, I think uh, we need to be more proactive. We, can, we have to do it here first. We need to be more open because uh, this thing is not going to go away one day to another. Uh, and I think we need to accommodate ourselves to be great ambassadors now and support our brick and mortar shops, uh, support our brands, uh, no, no taking any sites. Right now, uh, we have a great moment in the cigar industry, uh, but some, some restriction affecting brick and mortar, so we need to support it, and we need to support our local shops. So that's my, my next goal is to refocus on local shops, what we can do, what cannot do, to be able to accomplish and be in the same rhythm like before. Yeah, and I know for brick and mortars, you know, what I've, found is um, even before the, the pandemic, some of the issues is that a lot of the brick and mortars in the tobacco industry, they don't have e-commerce stores or they don't participate in online sales. And even now that they've seen what COVID is, I don't think that they know how to get started in that or some of them think, oh, next year it'll be different. Um, you know, the turn of the year will be in a different place and this will go away and we'll go back to, to normal. Um, I mean, what do you think? 
<clears throat> what do they need to, to do or, or think about going into 2021? Because I don't think it's going to go completely away <laughs> anytime soon. I think this is kind of, you know, everybody talks about the new normal. I think we're kind of living in the new normal. It's just a matter of accepting of what it is. I think you, you dig it. Um, is the new normal plus a lot of restrictions, restrictions from capacity, restriction from height, high tax uh, stakes. Uh, it's a lot of things, man, right now happening. Right now, I don't know if you heard, but New York is 75% tax on tobacco products. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, you can look in California as well, bigger tax, uh, bigger taxes uh, state. Uh, some states some state are really 10%, 15% capacity, and they only have four chairs. So you can, nobody can be there. Yes, the owner. So it's really... They need to be more proactive and overthink what's the next step for brick and mortars, uh, what's the next step for brands to put in put ideas in the tables as well to trying to see lights in the tunnel and to be more as possible for the times. Yep. Yeah, I think you know what I found, and I don't know if you found this too. Working with some manufacturers is that there's some manufacturers that are really good with adapting to right now. And then there's others that are like, you know, they know like digital is important, but they don't know how to use that. <laughs> They're like, you right. give me an idea, we'll, we'll go with it. And I'm like, no, like you give me an idea of what you need and then we can work from there. It's like, I can't pitch you an idea knowing what, what you're, you know, going after. I, it's, it's, it's like that is the, 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 the industry that we pick, that we're in. Uh, we are not the most, uh, uh, what do you call that word? Uh, <laughs> Forward thinking sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really basic, you know, just enjoy your cigar and sit down or buy your cigars, enjoy it. It's kind of like that way. So we need, we, we need to be more proactive in terms of ideas for the future. And seriously, I think uh, this is a, a really good task uh, to look at it. Uh, the COVID situation, the restriction of of, um, of capacity, because I have places they're doing super good, but I have a lot of places they're doing not really good. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, man, I'm forward to giving more help uh, into the community to maybe we can vote together, uh, giving some ideas. And, and not, it's a, it, the, the cigar industry is full of ideas, but to make it happen, to accomplish it. Uh, that's a, the big two separations from that. You know, we have a great ideas, but how are we going to do it? Yeah, I definitely agree. Because <laughs> yeah. I, oh. I just think we're, I think, like I said, I think going into 2021, this is kind of what we're going to be dealing with. Like you said, going back and forth and we need to figure out how to move forward or what are some new innovative ideas to bring, get people involved in brick and mortar while working with restrictions, while working with uh, supply chain issues, while working with sure. shutdowns and so on. It just seems like that's, that's life going forward for a while. And as well, it's a, it's a big uh, scenarios. Uh, I, I just heard that Nicaraguan Cigar Festival suspended. Yeah. I believe the, I think uh, Dominican as well. All the big festivals here, like, you know, the festivals here in the United States cancel. So we need to take this really seriously 
in looking for into a business because can affect a lot of people. They they really uh, live into day to day basis because of cigars. So it's not it's not a joke. It's the it's it's happening. It's a great moment for cigars. A lot of people consuming cigars, but it's, as well, it's a lot of problems uh, getting cigars from Nicaragua and Dominican as well because the demand is too high. So it's a it's a really cool situation, but not a cool situation because you need your product. So it's kind of like a, you need to figure out more be more proactive. Definitely. Well, since we're at the last few minutes of our uh, interview time here, I just want you to. Tell us, you know, what Instagram account we need to be following to keep up with what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, how people can learn more about blend number three going forward, just so that I know that they're going to be interested in it. So just kind of do us a little, you know, hype session of yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, and thank you, Antoine, for, you, for, for, for inviting me. Uh, with yeah. This life. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you as well. Uh, Instagram at the cigar culture. That's my mainly uh, ritual at the cigar culture. T H E cigar culture. Um, Facebook as well is at the cigar culture. Um, if you find the cigars, if you live close by, send me a text so I can tell you exactly where you get it. Culture blend number three, Habano 2000 wrapper, binder or Lord Dominicano. Five fillers. Uh, I have time for this. Uh, Cure your NDA Dominican. <laughs> Pierre Renier, Nicaraguan, uh, uh, Piloto Cubano, um, San Vicente. So it's a great complex plant, uh, medium to medium, medium plush. Uh, little, little, I don't like cigars really uh, strange, so I, I, take, I, I take this for exactly for what it is. Uh, it's a great blend, it means a lot. It means a lot. I made this for the public. Uh, I made this for friends and family. And I consider all the followers, friends, and family, and the extended family on the media as well. So I made this this just to enjoy as a great cigar, you know. And uh, I'm reachable. Please send me a DM if you want more information about it and where to get it. And thank you very much. Awesome. Well, like I said, um, we have a little bit of a, of a story coming out on you and uh, the next issue of t uh, Tobacco Business. Well, not the next issue, but an upcoming issue of tobacco business. So people may see you there. And uh, I know we're going to take snippets of that story and roll it over into Cigars and Leisure. So people will have two different stories to read about you and what you're doing. And uh, I look forward to our next encounter uh, whenever that is, whatever, whatever event makes it, <laughs> makes it through the COVID um, situation. Uh, like, like you just said, the Nicaraguan festival got canceled. We're pretty sure Pro Cigar won't be moving forward as it is, so we'll have to see what event does go through. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a lot of festivals here in the U.S. Yeah, no, the Tampa Festival got moved to March, um, so we're yeah, already starting the, to see the uh, 2021. Colorado, um, the Cigar Fest, a lot, a, lot, a lot of festivals got canceled. Yeah, so we're already starting to see the 2021 kind of domino effect as well, so... We'll just have to see, but uh, I'm sure we'll pass each other soon enough. Uh, and I look forward to whatever, like I said, whenever that encounter takes place. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And uh, I look My pleasure, forward to man. talking to you next time. We'll be soon. Awesome. Have a thank great you, day. Tom. You too. Thank you. Thank you.